It was a simple question. Can you remember the last day you didn't have a drink? Laura asked. She wasn't threatening or nagging. She did expect an answer. My wife is the kind of person who picks her moments. This was one of them. Of course I can, came my response. Then I thought back over the previous week. I had a few beers with the guys on Monday night. On Tuesday, I'd fixed my favorite after-dinner drink, Benedictine and brandy. I had a couple of bourbon and sevens after I put Barbara and Jenna to bed on Wednesday. Thursday and Friday were beer-drinking nights. On Saturday, Laura and I had gone out with friends. I had martinis before dinner, beers with dinner, and B&Bs after dinner. Uh-oh, I had failed week one. I racked my memory for a single dry day over the past few weeks, then the past month, then longer. I could not remember one. Drinking had become a habit. I have a habitual personality. I smoked cigarettes for about nine years, starting in college. I quit smoking by dipping snuff for about four years. I quit that by chewing long-leaf tobacco for a couple of years. Eventually, I got down to cigars. For a while, I tried to rationalize my drinking habit. I was nowhere near as bad as some of the drunks in our hometown of Midland, Texas. I didn't drink during the day. I was in good shape and jogged almost every afternoon. Another habit. Over time, Laura's little question provoked some big ones of my own. Did I want to spend time at home with our girls or stay out drinking? Would I rather read in bed with Laura or drink bourbon by myself after the family had gone to sleep? Could I continue to grow closer to the Almighty or was alcohol becoming my God? I knew the answers, but it was hard to summon the will to make a change. In 1986, Laura and I both turned 40. So did our close friends Don and Susie Evans. We decided to hold a joint celebration at the Broadmoor Resort in Colorado Springs. We had a big meal, accompanied by numerous $60 bottles of silver oak wine. There were lots of toasts to our health, to our kids, to the babysitters who were watching the kids back home. We got louder and louder, telling the same stories over and over. We shut the place down, paid a colossal bar tab, and went to bed. I woke the next morning with a mean hangover. As I left for my daily jog, I couldn't remember much of the night before. About halfway through the run, my head started to clear. The cross currents in my life came into focus. For months, I had been praying that God would show me how to better reflect His will. My scripture readings had clarified the nature of temptation and the reality that the love of earthly pleasures could replace the love of God. My real problem was not drinking. It was selfishness. The booze was leading me to put myself ahead of others, especially my family. I loved Laura and the girls too much to let that happen. Faith showed me a way out. I knew I could count on the grace of God to help me change. By the end of the run, I had made up my mind. I was done drinking. When I got back to the hotel room, I told Laura I would never have another drink. That's good, George, she said. I knew what she was thinking. I had talked about quitting before, and nothing had come of it. It took about five days for the freshness of the decision to wear off. The temptation to drink became intense. My body craved alcohol. I ran harder and longer as a way to discipline myself. I also ate a lot of chocolate. This gave me another motivation for running, to keep the pounds off. Laura was very supportive. She sensed that I really was going to quit. Whenever I brought up the subject, she urged me to stay with it. My friends helped too, even though most of them did not stop drinking when I was around. 
At first, it was hard to watch other people enjoy a cocktail or beer. But being the sober guy helped me realize how mindless I must have sounded when I drank. The more time passed, the more I felt momentum on my side. Not drinking became a habit of its own, one I was glad to keep.